Welcome to God's Messenger Lighthouse Podcast. This is your host, Brother Scott Messenger, bringing you Chapter 4 from the book The Tire Tracks by James W. Knox. True stories of childhood, adventure, exploration, and friendship. Chapter 4, The Fire at the Berlin Wall. One fall day, when the air was so clear that the lights seemed to be sparkling and dancing inside the sky, James made his way to Kyle's house with only one desire, to go exploring. He had a bag filled with a sandwich, some potato chips, and two desserts. He would ask his mother for an extra dessert so Kyle could have one. Kyle would ask his mother for two desserts so James could have one. The reason it is so hard for children nowadays to be sneaky is because their fathers were sneaky and they know all about sneaking. On this fair morning, Kyle and James and their four desserts headed out onto the tire tracks and decided to head east, but in a different fashion. Hey Kyle, let's not take the Berlin Wall today, James said. Fine with me, but I was about to say let's not take the east road today, Kyle answered. So they plunged into the shoulder-high wheat grass, which grew between the Berlin Wall and the east road in what came to be known as the borderlands. When it blew in the wind, the wheat grass was marvelous. Picture yourself standing by the lone pine tree looking to the east. The wind comes across the road from behind you and all the brown grass next to the road ducks down so the wind will not hit it. When the grass by the road drops its head, it taps the grass in front of it on the shoulder and says, watch out. And right away, that grass bows down. This happens all the way across the field. It is amazing. Do you think the wheat grass can hear the wind coming, or do the grasshoppers warn it? asked Kyle. I don't know, James answered, but in all our years of exploring, I have not seen the wind knock that grass to the ground one single time. The wind would race all the way across the field, hoping to catch one stalk of grain lingering at its full height, but it never did. When the wind was past the wheat grass uh, would stand back up so proud of itself and sometimes the boys were almost certain they could hear it boasting. Sometimes this would go on all day, the wind racing in, the grass bowing down, the wind missing its target, the grass popping back up. This was such a day. One moment the grass would be touching James' chin, the next moment it would be down around his knees. One moment Kyle could hardly see in front of him, the next moment there was nothing to obscure his view for what seemed like miles. It felt so good to feel the wind, to watch it fighting with the grass, to have the warm sun on your face, and to be with your very best friend in a place you had never been before. This was the greatest. On this day, as Kyle and James walked side by side in the midst of the battle between the wind and the wheatgrass, they both thought they spotted something up ahead which did not seem to match the pattern of the land. Neither of them wanted to announce the sighting, for there is 
Only one thing worse than not finding anything on an exploration, and that is thinking you found something when you did not. But there was no mistaking the fact that something was rising up out of the ground before them. At last, Kyle could wait no longer. What is that? he cried, pointing. I don't know, said James, as they both began to run. But let's find out. Using the high, bounding strides they had perfected on many such dashes through underbrush of all kinds, the boys hurried toward what looked like a row of hills running in a line northward from the Berlin Wall, almost even with the sixteen evergreens. Uh, sure enough, they were hills, big ones. This was so exciting for where Kyle and James grew up, the land came in two uh, varieties, flat and very flat. It did not rise and fall. It just went on straight before you in every direction. Reaching the spot, they each climbed to the top of one of the hills. There were about 20 of them. Every hill was six to eight feet high on the west side, but as you looked down from the top, you were peering into the ditch made by whoever built these hills, and on that side they appeared twice as high. What do you think this could be? Kyle asked. I don't know. Maybe it was supposed to link up with the Berlin Wall, James replied. I was thinking it was a fort, said Kyle. You could stand up behind these hills and shoot in between them. If the enemy was real strong, you could run down this ditch toward the wall. Yes, James added, and the reason it doesn't reach all the way is probably because they had a secret tunnel so the enemy couldn't find them. Cool. Let's find it. So down into the ditch they scrambled. Running through the dry bottom, they came to the end of the line, but no tunnel. Rather than being disappointed, this discovery just stirred the imagination of the two explorers. Soon they were sitting atop the hills, throwing dirt clods, which they dug loose from the seemingly ancient mounds and telling the story of the great battle of the twenty hills and how a terrible enemy once overran uh, the soldiers who protected the east and how the last defenders had been trapped in the tunnel and were carried off to be bondmen in the forbidden lands. <clears throat> hey, I've got an idea, Kyle said. We can reenact the battle. Great, said James. And soon each one had a stick for a machine gun, and rocks were hand grenades, and each of them had been shot at least fifty times as they tried to do outstanding falls. James would charge the hill, be blasted, cry, cry, ah, and roll down into the grass. Kyle would holler, I'm going to charge, only to be hit and slide all the way down into the ditch below. It was great fun being a whole army, but very tiring. Kyle took off his t-shirt, tied it to his machine gun stick, and waved it in the air. Cease fire for lunch, he called to the imaginary army of the north. They held their fire, because even imaginary ar armies get hungry. <clears throat> and two very dirty boys sat down to eat and talk about the great falls 
they took and the bullets, bombs, and bayonets which had hit them during the battle. <coughs> a bite of a sandwich, then a kick to start, a small avalanche, a few chips, then the toss of a rock, which was really just a compressed bit of dirt sand or dark sand, but it was the closest thing there was to a rock where these boys lived. Uh, biting a ham and cheese, James moaned and fell backward, muttering, Sniper! As he closed his eyes and yet another death. Hey, I've got another idea, Kyle said, or tried to say with the better part of a half sandwich in his mouth. Let's go back to the house and get my army men. We can bring them out here, set them up on these hills, and depict the whole fight. Great, I, uh, great again, James laughed, returning to life. So, finishing off their lunches and saving the desserts for later, they marched for home. If you have wondered how these two explorers could walk so far and do so much and never get tired, I shall tell you. These were the days when boys loved to be out of doors and out of walls and out of roofs, and the excitement of each trip into the tire tracks gave them all the energy they needed. As they searched through Kyle's bedroom, which was an exploration in itself, to gather up plastic army men, planes, tanks, jeeps, and a few cowboys and Indians, for this was to be an epic battle, James found a box of matches. Hey Kyle, look at this. We could put these on some of the army men and use them for flamethrowers. Oh man, that would really be neat, Kyle replied. So they threw the whole war into a paper bag and headed back out to the newly discovered hills. The wind and the wheatgrass were still at, at it, but the two friends did not notice. The sun was very high in the early afternoon sky, and not a trace of dew or moisture was left on the ground. But James and Kyle did not pay that any mind. Under the baby blue sky, they were spitting out words as rapidly as their imaginary machine guns spit out bullets. Talking of the battle, wondering how many had fought, wondering what happened to the Berlin Wall, and if there were cities there that had been destroyed. Back at the hill, hills, they put their men in position, and soon it was all-out war. Rat-tat-tat-tat-tat-tat-tat-tat-tat-tat-tat-tat-tat-tat-tat-tat-tat-tat-tat-tat-tat-tat-tat-tat-tat-tat-tat-tat-tat-tat-tat-tat-tat-
those invaders began to melt. Wow, shouted Kyle. Look at his arms. Look at that one twisting up, James yelled above the noise of the combat. Soon the hillside was littered with little green globs of bubbling army men and <clears throat> the western forces were pushing on down through the ditch and toward the secret tunnel. What unmeasured fun the boys were having. Then, suddenly, a horror fell over them. It seemed as if their breath had been taken from their bodies and they could not find it to get it back. Frozen in terror, they saw flames jumping up from behind the hills. Real flames! For a split of a split of a split second that seemed it would never end, they could not move. They did not want to move. They did not know how to move. Then, running side by side to the top of the hill, they looked out to see a real war, a violent war, a sickening war. The wind had joined in a league with the fire, and the two of them were striking at the wheat grass. As it blew madly, you could almost hear the wind say, Laugh at me, will you? Well, duck out of my way this time if you can. And there was no escape. The fire was spreading in all directions, and it was alive. You could see it breathing. Now it was red and reaching out as it exhaled. Now it was stationary, and it gathered strength for another sortie. Now it was white as it inhaled. Then it was red as it breathed out again, pulsating with life and energy, crackling with an evil mocking voice, spurred on by the malice of the wind. This fire was out of control. It would start at the feet and ankles of the grasses, sweep upward through their bodies, and leap skyward from the top of their heads with a perverse joy. The grass, consumed to ashes, would fall to the ground in a powdery heap where it charred, where its charred remains served as fuel for the very fire which had destroyed it. Standing atop the hill, the boys did not know it, but they were sobbing. Tears and fears had gripped them. Their hearts were beating so hard you could see the pounding through their shirts. Their hands and knees were trembling. Oh, said Kyle, what have we done? It's too late for that, said James. Kyle's words having snapped him out of his daze. It's what do we do now? Water, he shouted. We need water. Racing down the hills, through the ditch, over the ruins of the tunnel, they never found past soldiers of a war which was for now forgotten. They tumbled down the steep banks of the Berlin Wall and began racing up and down the river's edge looking to find something that would carry water. Here, yelled Kyle, an old bucket. They filled it to the top with water and could not lift it. They poured out half the water scrambled up the bank, and sloshed out half of the half-bucket full of water in the process. Huffing and puffing, with hearts about to explode, with fear pressing them, they raced to the near edge of the fire line and threw what little water remained in the bucket onto the blaze. Hiss! It mocked at them. It sputtered for a moment and then raced on its way. The water idea was hopeless. They tried to stomp out the fire with their feet, 
they should have been very glad it was too cool that day for them to be barefoot, but they were so far from cool right now, they had no such cheerful thoughts. Their faces were nearly roasted, and the bottom of their tennis shoes began to melt as they stomped with all their might upon the dancing tongues of the fire. They tried to beat out the blaze with limbs they had run together from pines near the wall. This worked well for a few swats, but the flames consumed the dried ends of the branches, and in moments they were no longer of use. They tried the bucket again, only now it was filled with dirt instead of water. But the harder they worked, the more impossible the effort became. The wind was having its revenge. The fire was roaring through the wheat grass. The flames had already spread from twenty hills halfway to the east road, and without a miracle, they would soon cross over into the prairie lands. A huge cloud of billowing, billowing black smoke was lifted by the wind high into the sky. It was a flag of triumph meant to fill all the green things of the tire tracks with despair. The boys staggered to the top of the same hill they had climbed with such abounded joy that very morning. Looking to the east, all was as it had been, turning back to the spreading ruin before them, they could only stare in silence. There was no tears left. They were now shaking more from exhaustion than from fear. Almost to the main road, nothing remained behind the assault but glowing embers and black ash. The fire had consumed everything. Hey, Kyle! James yelled, leaping to his feet. Maybe the road is wide enough to slow the fire down so we can put it out. Oh, but I am so, so, so tired, Kyle moaned, falling backward to the ground. When he did, his head landed on something bumpy. He reached back with his hand and felt a paper bag. Our desserts! Food! Maybe there was some hope after all. Stuffing their mouths with cookies as they ran, James headed along the hills toward the east road. Kyle hurried southeast to the point where the fire was just reaching the junction of the river trail and the main road. Furiously, they beat at the edges of the enemy, pounding with branches, then retreating to the cooler air, stomping with their feet, then running backward from the smoke to breathe some oxygen. The road was not only wide, but there was no wheat grass for the fire to feed upon. By this time, it seemed the wind was as tired as the boys were, and could not muster enough strength to blow the flames over the road into the trembling grasses on the other side. Arms aching, backs seizing, lungs cramping, the boys fought on, yard by yard, foot by foot, sometimes inch by inch, they battled the now staggering fire. Every now and then, it would pop up behind them and reignite a place they thought they had conquered. Not only did this force them to backtrack, but it cost them precious time, and the middle of the fire was straining to cross the road before the two soldiers could defeat it. Twice it sent out a finger of advance which reached the other side. Each time one of the boys saw it, ran down the road to the point of danger, and halted the foray. Then, as though someone 
who had been watching the whole affair, had heard the pleas of the of two frightened boys. Reinforcements arrived, rolling in ever so slowly from the swamps of the far west, but with irresistible force came the evening dew. It was not a loud, braggosterous wind like the one that blew in the daytime. It was a quiet, heavy wind. You could not even see it move. You could not really feel it. But when it arrived, the day wind weakened, then lost its nerve, and at last vanished into hiding. Without the prodding of the day wind, the fire lost its enthusiasm and seemed all at once to tire of the whole affair. He really had nothing against the wheat grass, and whatever differences they may have had were not worth having two boys beating your brains out with tree branches. With the invisible moisture brought from the swamps by the evening wind, the roads seemed to grow wider, James and Kyle seemed to grow stronger, and hope rose again throughout the, that part of the tire tracks. In a matter of minutes, two exhausted boys met at a point where together they snuffed out the last of the fire. They threw down their singed branches, stumbled through the charred ground, and threw themselves down on the side of the nearest hill. For the longest time, neither of them spoke. They looked at the blackened ground where an hour ago such tall grass had grown. They looked at the large half-circle of ruin before them, they peered past it into the vast prairie on the other side of the east road, and shuddered to think of what might be happening now uh, had silent reinforcement, reinforcements not arrived. Uh, they felt the chill of the dewy evening, and were so thankful for the help it had brought them. At last, uh, James broke the silence. That was very scary. I would have to agree, said Kyle. I don't even want to think about what would have happened if that fire had jumped the road. Then we will not think about it until another day, said James said, struggling to, to his weary feet. As James reached out his arm to help lift his tired friend Kyle, uh, said, I wasn't really crying, you know. I know, neither was I, James answered. Let's go home. Next time, Chapter 5, A Running Ghost. You can find this book and many others written by Brother James Knox at www.jameswknox.org.